I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Anita Marks. There's a lot of NBA coaches that come in to a series and they're like, all right, we're going to go with our bread and butter and what's been working for us this postseason or, or in the regular season, and then we'll adjust accordingly. It's not what Eric Spolstra does. Eric Spolstra looks at the matchup and believes in his game plan. And last night, it was Caleb Martin and Robinson coming off the bench, and, and that really was the biggest difference. So now this is a Boston Celtics team down 0-2. Now they have to leave home and head to Miami, the whiteout. But these are, let's be honest, these are two teams that are night and day in the postseason than what we saw in the regular season. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Sunny, sunny weather ahead. Next week is supposed to be absolutely gorgeous, so hopefully you're going to be heading out there and teeing it up. Randy Robles joins us now. Um, it is uh, this this segment, by the way, brought to you by Rock Spring Golf Club. Why not? We're, we're talking PGA Championship uh, Oak Hill Country Club taking place about five miles, five hours, I should say, not five miles, five hours north of here. And Randy Robles is up there right now for the Elias Sports Bureau. Randy, welcome in. How you doing? Hey, Anita, how are you? I'm going to say it's five and a half hours. Cause that's what I, that's, that's how long it took me to drive up from, uh, from well, maybe you drive slow, dude. Maybe you just drive slow. <laughs> no, I had three, uh, Frappuccinos from Starbucks. Okay. All right. So we'll say five and a half. Uh, let's. We're, we're taking right. a look at the leaderboard. Uh, actually, before we take a look, uh, a look at the leaderboard, man, this has been a grueling tournament, right? Has it not? It's uh, you know when when plus five is your cut line, man, something's got to give. Uh, what what has been your take in regards to how this course has played the first two days? Yeah, you know, I walked it uh, here on Wednesday, and, you know, uh, a colleague of mine and I walked it, and we thought that it reminded us a lot of Beth Page Black. And, uh, you know, you have these just long, these just a really long course, 7,500 yards, par 70, um, with these just majestic long vistages and, and uh, narrow fairways. Uh, and the greens are, you know, big, these big greens. So we thought, you know, I I think people are going to struggle like they struggled at the at at Beth Page Black, and I think that's been the case so far. You know, see, see these best players in the world over par after 36 holes. It's uh, I'm sure it's humbling for them, and it makes them a little more human to us. Absolutely, uh, that's for sure. Uh, taking a look at the top leaderboard, Victor Hovland is up there, which I'm really surprised because he's a young man who, granted, he's long off the tee, he's a great ball striker, but he struggles. Uh, with his pitch, his pitching, and and his game around the green, so just the mere fact that yeah. he's uh, tied at the top leaderboard with Scotty Scheffler and Corey Connors uh, is surprising to me. Your thoughts of the leaders right now at at five under? Yeah, you know, with respect to Hovland, you know, he he is the far and away leader this week so far through two rounds and strokes gained approach. I mean, he's already gained eight strokes on the field just through, just from his approach. I mean, that's just that's just a, a, a massive number. In fact, the last 
in the last few years, you've only seen that uh, at a couple a couple times in the majors. Most recently, Brooks Kepka uh, at, at the Masters in 2023, but also Kepka in 20, 2019 at Beth Page Black. So, again, that similarity. But yeah, I, you know, Hovland is is right there. Corey Connors and, and Shuffler, the top three. Now, if you look back at at uh, Oak Hills history, they've had six majors here over the years: three U.S. Opens, three PGA Championships, and in all six cases the winner was amongst the top three after 36 holes. So maybe this is just a three-horse race. Um, it, it will be. Here's the thing, right? Like, and, and weather conditions here in, in Hoboken are, are not very nice right now. Um, and, and not a surprise. We were expecting bad weather. You're, you're there up at Oak Hill Country Club. What's the weather like there? Now, I'm sure it looks, I'm watching it on TV. Not only is it rainy, but I would imagine that it's also uh, a lot colder than it is down here in, in New Jersey and New York. Yes, it's cold and it's rainy. And, um, it is, you know, I wouldn't want to be out there playing. Um, I think, you know, in this case, well, let, me, let, me, let me take a step back. You know, the, the biggest comeback ever from 36 holes was 10 shots. And that was Paul Laurie. And that was at Carnoustie in 19, uh, uh, 1999, the, um, the, um, the Vandeveld year, and uh, was that 90, 99 or ninety seven? I think it was ninety nine. Um, but anyways, it, it was the court. It was the Vandeveld year, and that that year the weather was brutal. It was just like this, you know. And so the weather can be a great equalizer, and maybe all those guys at plus five after after round two have a chance because of because of this. And the forecast here locally, Anita, is that it's supposed to get windier as the day gets on. So not only is it wet, but it's going to get windier for the leaders. So you may see some of these leagues just wiped off the board uh, in a hurry. We'll have to see. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, right? Uh, is that, you know, how is this course going to play? Because uh, you've got Hovland, who's teeing off at 240 this afternoon. You've got Scheffler and Connors, who are teeing off at 250 this afternoon. So, you know, you know, obviously what we know is when it rains, a course plays softer, which therefore plays to um, lower scores. But now you're saying because they're expecting wind and it to be cold, um, you know, maybe those guys are going to struggle more in the later afternoon than we've seen guys struggle so far this morning or early afternoon. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, only a few guys are under par for the day so far today, uh, this morning. But I think they're going to be even fewer under par uh, as, as the day rolls on and uh, as the afternoon rolls, rolls on and the, uh, the wind rolls in. So uh, which, which I, obviously, I, would which, I wouldn't be shocked if. Oh, sorry, Anita, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You wouldn't be shocked if what? I, I wouldn't be shocked if 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 the if the score is minus four or 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 worse, uh, the the leading score at, at the end of the day. I think anyone that might be under par by the end of the day has a will have a legitimate shot shot at winning this tournament tomorrow on Sunday. Again, Randy Robles joining us here from the Elias Sports Bureau. He's eyes and ears on the ground up there at Oak Hill Country Club. Uh, again, weather conditions not great right now, but Randy's saying are expected to get worse because winds are expected to pick up. Um, Hovland, Scheffler, Connors at the top leaderboard. Bryson DeChambeau sitting tied yeah. for fourth at three under. He's teeing off at 2.30 this afternoon. Surprise there. Also, Brooks Kepka tied for six at two under. So uh, two guys from the Live Tour – in the top yeah. six. How about that? Mm. Yeah. How about that? And that's going to be pretty interesting. 
uh, coming down coming down the stretch. If you look at Kepka yesterday, he secretly had, or not secretly, he 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 um, quietly had, I guess you might say, um, the best round of the day. He shot 66. He was the only guy in the field yesterday to shoot 66 or better. So that may be something coming into today if he could keep it up. Uh, in my in my opinion, to be honest with you, I think there's five guys that could, five people that can win this tournament, and it's the, the three leaders along with the Shambo and Kepka. If 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 you had to, if I had to um, limit it to five people, that's that's who it would be. Uh, the three guys that are minus five, and then and then uh, the Shambo minus three, and Kepka minus two. Listen, I, I picked I picked Scotty Shuffler to win this coming in uh, on our daily wager, my daily wager show on ESPN two. Um, so I'm feeling I'm feeling good about that, um, obviously. But I mean, the way that this course is playing, you just you you just never know. You never know. Any final thoughts yeah. before we let you let you go, Randy? Yeah, the big buzz yesterday was around the the sixth hole, new hole here, and it was playing to a four point seven five scoring. It's a par four, playing to a poor four point seven five scoring average yesterday. Mm. And just to put that into perspective, Scotty Scheffler said it was the hardest hole he'd ever played in his life. And if you look at the PGA Tour this year, there were 90 par fives, not par fours, 90 par fives on the PGA Tour this year that were playing easier than that par four is uh, or was yesterday. So look for um, the sixth hole to be a real pivotal hole, pivotal hole uh, uh, today and tomorrow, and that may end up deciding who the winner is. Why, why, why is it? What, what is so difficult about the sixth hole? Why is it playing so difficult? Long. Over 500 yards, long, windy, with a creek rippled through the whole thing. It's just very dangerous, and um, it's just a you know it's just a long, brutal par par four that I'm sure is a par five, uh, you know, at, at any other you know uh, country club. But this is this is a it's a par four, and um, it's playing like a par five. Got it, Randy. You rock as always. Thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon. Appreciate it, my friend. My pleasure. I'll see you back in Anita. Uh, see you back Anita, in Anita in Hoboken in about uh, five and a half hours after the tournament. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Again, Randy Robles joining us from the Elias Sports Bureau. Make sure you download uh, their uh, their Elias app, uh, giving you great information, not just with golf, but pretty much every sport out there. 800-919-3776. I see the calls. Pat, Mike, Javier, hang tight. We get back. We'll get to you next right here on 90.7 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you on this Saturday afternoon. Listen, each week during the girls' flag football season, the New York Jets and uh, Gatorade will recognize a player of the week following a series of regular season games at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center. And each week that player will receive a $1,000 donation from the Jets and Gatorade in their name to support their high school's girls' flag flag football program. How great is that? Um, and each week, of course, I'll be announcing it right here on my show. So this week's recipient is Emma Heinitz. 
a junior quarterback from New Milford High School in New Milford, New Jersey. The Knights posted a 34-15 win over Hawthorne to improve their record of 4-4 this season. Um, Emma had uh, over 200 passing yards and picked up an additional 100 yards rushing. Wow, it's really impressive. Uh, she completed five touchdown passes and four extra points. Uh, also, she also plays soccer, basketball, and softball for the night. So congratulations, Emma. Um, and uh, I'm sure your teammates have to be thrilled that now the Jets and Gatorade are giving your team and your school a $1,000. That is just simply amazing. 800-919-3776. Again, we just heard from Randy Robles from the Elias Sports Bureau. Uh, he gave us our locks, uh, and I'm plural, locks of the week because he gave us just a few guys that he feels uh, at this stage in the game, I think it's going to be really hard to play catch up uh, on 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 the tour and, and who's going to win, uh, obviously. So we're looking at either uh, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors, uh, DeChambeau or Brooks Kepka, who potentially uh, is going to win this bad boy this weekend. And those locks of the week, again, brought to you by Rock Spring Golf Club. Golf fans, check out Rock Spring Golf Club in New Jersey. 800-919-3776. Let's get to your calls. Let's go to Pat. Pat, welcome in. Good afternoon. Hi, Nina. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say quick that um, I think, you know, I think uh, Josh Hart, I'm sorry, Josh Hart resigning with the Knicks is not going to be an easy proposition. Why? Because, uh, I, I I disagree with you because he, he loves it here. He loves the organization. Okay. He loves the franchise and is and one of his best buddies that, you right. know, obviously he, he played with at Villanova in Br- in Brunson well, is here. I don't, I, I, well, when, I think it's when, a no brainer. I don't, I'm not worried about it. Well, when he resigns, they're going to have to sign him for at least three or four years. They're going to have to pay him at least 20 million a year. They're going to have to release one of the other players, you know, possibly, uh, you know, possibly Barron or quickly because there's going to be a lot of money out there. And if they're, uh, they're not going to be able to move Randall at that easily. And if you're looking for like a savior to save a lot of money to pay that person, you're going to have to cut somewhere if you resign Hart. Um, I don't know about that, Pat. We we and, and I appreciate the phone call and I understand your concern. We had uh, Bobby Marks on the show last week, and uh, we 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 were talking about it, and and he didn't he didn't feel concerned that the the Knicks were going to have to cut any of those other players if they were able to to re-sign Hart. Um, I don't expect Rose to be back, and I know Knicks fans don't feel great about that because I know he's got a, a very big fan base here. Um, I think that, I, I want to say, like, that frees up about million or something like that, or he's due $15 million. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've got my finger on the pulse of, of the cap for the Knicks. I don't. But I would imagine, again, we had Bobby Marks on last week. I would imagine that that would be something that he would have have brought up as a concern if that was the case in regard to signing Hart. Uh, Let's go to Javier in Queens. Javier, welcome in. Anita, how's it going? Hi. Hey, Anita. How's it going? Um, Great. I I, I disagree with that last caller. Uh, I think Hart lost a little bit of money and how he ended up playing at the end of that playoffs. I don't think he's going to be that expensive. Well, well, it's um, it's interesting, yeah. but time out. It's it's really interesting because I, you know I, I took a lot of heat on social media saying that like I I, I made excuses for him. But Javier, are you are you a father? Are you a parent? 
No, I, I work in education, so I have like 300 kids, but they're, they're not biologically mine. <laughs> so, so, you know, first of all, Hart was amazing through the regular season, and I felt he was amazing mm-hmm. throughout. I thought he was amazing throughout the postseason, except the last three games. But then uh, we got wind that his wife delivered twin boys. Now, okay. again, I, I tell people, I own dogs. I don't own children. So I'm not, I am not the expert in this. But I would assume that if your wife is, uh, is pregnant and is close to delivering twin boys, that we can only imagine what their size were, um, that would be um, a very shaky situation uh, at home. So again, I'm not making excuses for, for Josh Hart, but we're, we're only human. And, uh, and, and I want to believe that that played some type of role into why we saw him have his worst three games of the season prior to his wife delivering twin boys. I'm just throwing it out there. Did we lose him? I think we did. Uh, Let's go to Lowry calling in from the car. Lowry, welcome in. No. Do we have Lowry? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Is he still, is he still on hold? Are we, are we still, are we taking calls? Lowry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. That's okay. All right. Terrific. So listen, I am um, in a position here as a, as a lifelong Knicks fan and I'm feeling um, quite a sting because, when you look at the series going against the Celtics and Heat, if the Knicks were just to match the Heat's tenacity and grit and some of the things that I think Pat the Rat Riley has imposed on the Heat's DNA with some kind of non-basketball-type plays, the road to the Eastern Conference Final is as open as it's ever been. I can't remember a season where the path to the Eastern Conference Final was this wide open. Now, you know, the Nuggets may win regardless, but it just really stings as a Knicks fan knowing that we would have had a really good shot against the Celtics team if we were just able to match the Heat's tenacity. Uh, When I see Jimmy Butler get into Grant Williams' face yesterday and I see Julius Randle get put on his derriere by Cody Zeller and he doesn't even get up to defend himself, we're, we're not in a position to have any kind of tenacity. Um, when I see McBride play by Tibbs, where he doesn't do any impact, he doesn't set the tone, he doesn't set any kind of uh, impact for the, for the game, uh, and I see Derek Rose, who's battle-tested, who has experience, McBride has no playoff experience. Why not put Rose for five, ten minutes if you're going to give those five, ten minutes to, uh, to McBride when it quickly went down? So there's just, there's just a lot here that I think we could have controlled and we could have definitely had a good shot at the Eastern Conference Finals if we were, um, if we were just a, a bit better uh, personnel management and also setting the tone from the start about, like, if you get knocked down, you got to knock them down. I don't think that was set by the coach. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, and, and, and Larry, thanks for the phone call. I, I just... I just think this was an all-around bad matchup for the Miami Heat, uh, or for the Knicks against the Miami Heat. Again, their physicality, the way that they were able to play defense against Julius Randle, 
Um, and, you know, the, the bench play that we saw against the Cavs was not there. But I'm not going to sit here and, and blame this all on Julius Randle because I said this before. I don't believe that the Miami Heat would have gotten past the Cleveland Cavaliers if it wasn't for Julius Randle. So you want to sit here and you want to say, oh, you know, Julius Randle had a bad had a bad go of it. Julius Randle's the reason why this this Knicks team lost to the Miami Heat. Okay, I respect that. But do you think that this Knicks team would have gotten to play the Miami Heat if if it wasn't for Julius Randle? That I would say no. I very integral part of the Knicks beating the Cavs in that series to get to where they were against the Miami Heat. Okay? Let's go to Bobby. Bobby, welcome in. How you doing, Anita? Hi. How are you, Anita? Fantastic. Welcome in. I was just uh, kind of agreeing with you on the Josh Hart thing. I think when that kid came in, the energy he brought, He's such a fabulous finisher. You see him, you know, doing 30 miles an hour down the court and being able to finger roll that ball into the rim is not an easy feat. His his offensive rebounding is amazing. He keeps the ball alive. And and also Hartenstein is another great, you know, uh, player on the offensive glass who, who he actually hurt them against uh, Miami. But I wanted to say um, that I think Thibodeau really hurt this team in this series. And against the Cavs, you know, they, they did really well. They beat Donovan Mitchell, which was big, and I thought that was going to help them beat Butler because, you know, basically he was the main offensive threat on that team. But it didn't pan out because they left, you know, Robinson and, uh, you know, those uh, the kid um, uh, Martin. And, I mean, they didn't miss shots. So uh, I'm a big Julius Randle fan. I'm, I agree with you on that as well. I think they wouldn't have got where they got if they didn't have Julius Randle. But, I mean, if you're talking about swapping Julius Randle for Joel Embiid or something like that, I think that would be a smart move. Um, but I do like uh, Josh Hart. I think they definitely will resign him as well. I, I wanted to ask you one question, though. I don't know if you can help me with this or not. When a player gets hurt, right, like say uh, if I'm at my job and I get hurt, I go out on uh, work with comp or whatever, and, and, and I'm paid by insurance. So these uh, are these guys paid their contracts while they're hurt? and the contracts are still expiring while they're sitting on the bench, or do they delay the contract, or has that ever been talked about? Like if you have a five-year contract and you're making $10 million per just for a number, does that, does that money get paid by an insurance policy and then your contract is delayed while you're sitting on the bench waiting? I'm interested to know. Yeah, um, a, a few things. Number one, uh, yeah, these players get hurt. They're still getting paid. Uh, I do believe that there's incentives in their deal that if they play so many games, they start so many games, they play so many minutes, I, I, I do believe they get you know added money in regards to the amount of games that they play or the amount of games that they're, they're health-wise are available. Uh, keep in mind, the difference between the NBA and the NFL is guaranteed contracts. Whatever you agree to to an NBA player, the entire contract is guaranteed. So uh, that, that's a huge difference there. And I want to imagine that a number of these teams have insurance uh, in regard to a player just in case they, they suffer some type of like catastrophic injury where they can never play, the NBA, play in the NBA again. Um, I do believe that these teams do have insurance to, to, to CYA uh, in case that happens. Just FYI. Uh, when we come back, let's get you ready for the Preakness. 6.50 p.m. Eastern time is uh, post time. Uh, we get back. Vince Roth from Final Furlong will join me. He joined us last uh, two weeks ago to preview, of course, uh, the Kentucky Derby. Well, we got him back previewing the Preakness for later on this afternoon, right here on 90.7 ESPN.
You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Harvey and Joe producing the show. Anita Marks with you. We're going to hear from Vince Roth in just a second from Final Furlong, getting us ready for Preakness. But we've got some breaking news pertaining to the Yankees. Gentlemen, what is it? So the Yankees just tweeted this out a minute ago. Aaron Hicks has been designated for assignment. His Woo! locker's been cleaned out. So he's no longer with the team. And in case anybody missed it last night, the Yankees did a trade with the Boston Red Sox of all teams, acquiring outfielder Greg Allen back. So he is now on the active roster, and Aaron Hicks is out. So Yankee fans will rejoice. I would say, right? Like, don't let the door hit you on your way out. So huge news for uh, Yankee fans. you got to feel really good about that. I know a lot of people have been wanting Hicks uh, out of here. For quite a while. Can't now. wait. So can't news. wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Vince Roth joins us now from Final Furlong. That's his stable. Vince, how you doing? Hey, good. How you doing? That, that's pretty cool to be on right after that breaking news. <laughs> Are you a Yankees fan? I am an all New York fan. We'll, we'll say that. I am sitting here with my son Oliver. Oliver, say hi. Hi. Um, he's a big Mets fan, so. <laughs> I don't know how everyone feels about that, but I like both teams. No, you should take him out to a city tomorrow. Double header. We're expecting Max Scherzer followed by Justin Verlander. What a di- what what a what a day that will be. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, we have a big day. All right, so um, we do, we do. So Vince Roth. So if if you didn't tune in to our uh, our Bell our uh, Kentucky Derby preview, uh, Vince owns. Uh, a number of horses uh, with his ownership group. Their stable is called Final Furlong. And through America's Best Racing and a program called Stake and Stardom, I now uh, own a a percentage in a few horses uh, that uh, Vince and his stable have as well. All fillies, uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, par for the course for me. So uh, really excited to work with Vince in Final Furlong this season. With that being said, uh, the 148th running of the Preakness, a lot of people calling this the weakness this week because only one horse is racing in this from the Kentucky Derby. What gives? Explain that to the uh, the listeners, Vince. Yeah, and so, you know, horse racing is not a sport like um, a lot of people are used to where, you know, you have seven-game series and the teams are playing each other and all the players on, you know, the NBA or the NHL, you, you see them consistently um, horse racing is different, and the Triple Crown is, you know, uh, the, the the most exciting and, and most well-known part of horse racing. And a lot of people who saw Madge's Kentucky Derby victory, you know, that might be a novice in the sport, would just assume that horses that race in the Kentucky Derby are going to be racing today in the Preakness. Um, and that's not the case. I mean, any horse with qualifying points can enter that Kentucky Derby. But then any horse that's qualified to run in a, in a grade one like, like the Preakness today, can race in this race. Uh, oftentimes you do see similar faces that race in the Kentucky Derby. Other times you don't. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are probably going to be inclined to question Madge's merit based on this small field. But um, as some people may remember, Justifying American Pharaoh um, only raced against seven other foes in the Preakness, and Secretariat only raced against five. Um so it'll be exciting to see if Madge can can win today and make it for a, another triple crown in our backyard at Belmont. It it would be exciting. 
So, um, so again, uh, the number three horse um, is favored, and rightfully so. Now, first, min- first mission was a horse that a number of people felt a Brad Cox horse was going to be the main threat for Mage. And uh, unfortunately, it was scratched. I guess a veterinarian decided uh, that it would be wise that the horse not race. What can you tell us in regard to the storyline and what happened with first mission, the number eight horse? Oh, I mean, he was, I know there was uh, an issue, I believe, with his left hind. Uh, the track vets uh, noticed. I don't think they expanded on it um, any further. It is the first, you know, first scratch that makes, um, I, I think it's the first time since 1985 or 86 that the Preakness is only going to have seven horses to the starting gate. So having a smaller field should make it, you know, or, or one would think it would make it easier for, for Madge to come out on top. But, you know, again, the race still has to be run, and he still does have to beat six other horses. So, you know, while it's definitely a significant scratch in the race uh, because he he was one of the favorites, I mean, Madge still has to run the race in a few hours. So, 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 again, first mission out. The number seven horse, Blazing Sevens, is a Chad Brown horse. Um, Irad is going to be riding... Uh, and as we know, did not race in the Derby, so is coming in fresh for the Preakness. Uh, the number one horse, National Treasure, four to one, a Bob Badford horse. As we know, Bob Badford, his horse is not allowed to run in the uh, in the Derby, but is able to run in the Preakness. He's won Preakness seven times prior. This horse is going to be running with blinkers. If you can explain why a horse would run with blinkers, and either of these two horses you feel are going to contend mage. I'm sure. I mean, did you listen into the the call that uh, me and Jimmy from Authentic Racing Community had last night when we reviewed our picks? Because it does sound like you did. <laughs> um, answer your first question. Uh, horses wear blinkers to to focus more. If they if they don't see other horses on the side and they can only see directly in front of them, they stay sharper. They stay more focused on exactly what's ahead of them. Sometimes that makes them run a little bit faster, get out of the gate a little bit quicker, uh, just less distraction and and focus ahead. Uh, but those two horses that you picked are—I mean, I won't won't spoil it—but they're definitely among the horses we like for this race today. And then there's some long shots here as well. The number five horse, Red Route One, um, and the number six horse, Perform. There's a number of people who like these horses as long shots. Any of these uh, that you fancy? Um, definitely not. Um, you know, if you, if you see these long shots, I mean, the early odds on these horses, you know, I think we're 20 to one, or, I mean, there was another one that's 50 to one. Um, but now they're all the way back down. I just checked the odds about a half hour ago. They're like five or seven or six to one. You know, if you're wagering on this race, those are picks you probably want to avoid. Um, you know, some people who, again, maybe novice in horse racing might look at the morning line odds that are printed in the, in the paper or, on uh, online yesterday, those are not necessarily the odds you're going to get when those gates open. So, you know, see a horse go from 20 to one down to six to one. That's, uh, that's not something we're interested in. Um, so with that being said, okay. So, so hold our hand against Vince Roth joining us from final furlong, hold our hand, take us to the window. How are you wagering on the Preakness later on this evening? So let's start with let's start with the favorite. Let's start with the three mage. Um, you know, it for me, 
again, do I hope this horse wins? I definitely do. I mean, it's great for the sport, you know, when we have a, a contention in, in Triple Crown. I, I believe you're going to be at the Belmont Stakes. We're definitely going to be there. It's like 10 minutes, 20 minutes away from my house. And we want to see a Triple Crown. It's just a great day. Um, but from a wagering perspective, it's, it's hard to take a horse that you could have had at 15 to 1 two weeks ago. That's now 9 to 5. Um, so from a wagering perspective, even though I think, like we talked about two weeks ago, I think the horse could win. I'm rooting for the horse to win. I'm going to put my money on other places where I would like to try to win a couple of bucks. I do not think betting mage at nine to five is, is worth money. Um, you know, I, a lot of people think he may bounce off of that huge run he had in the Derby. Um, his menacing closing runs in his last two races in the Florida Derby and the Kentucky Derby, his grandfather's curlin, which, which is a horse you may remember. Um, he did the same kind of run in the Preakness many years ago, but if mage continues to run that quality of race, he's definitely winning today. Um, I just don't know if he's going to get that fast pace setup that he got in those races. Um, he's also developing a, a habit of breaking slowly and he has to come back, you know, on short rest on two weeks, you're facing other horses that haven't raced in, you know, in, in more than two weeks. Um, and before this, I think every one of his races has been about four or five weeks apart. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what this horse has left in the tank after two weeks, after a trip halfway across the country. I'm rooting for him, but but not with not with my money today. Okay, so so again, so so tell us how are you? Then how are you wagering this? You're going to the window, and how uh, are you placing your bet? Going to the window, I'm going to recommend we play um, a win bet on the horse you mentioned, National Treasure. Um, you know, Johnny G, Johnny V for seven-time winning trainer Bob Baffert. Uh, this horse has lost four races in a row. Um, was under uh, Tim Yakteen's care in, in the Santa Anita Derby. Baffert got him back last month. You see his improvements on the workouts. He had two bullets, I think. Um, and this, seem, this horse seems to run the best when he's on the lead. And he's never really had that chance. Uh, today, I definitely think he's going to be on the lead. He draws the rail. We just talked about the blinkers. I don't think there's going to be a ton of pace. You have Johnny V and Baffert teaming up um, again. You know, they've They've had wire-to-wire wins in the Derby and the Breeders' Cup. Um, this race is slightly easier than the Derby and the Breeders' Cup. But at 3-1 to one, over a 9-5 to five, with a horse I think is just as good, if not slightly better than Mage, uh, we're picking National Treasure. So, again, I think last time we talked about having $100 in the bank, um, I would bet a, uh, a $50 win bet on the one. Um, and then I would do an exact the box which we can chat about what it is. It's, you know, it's like it's betting two horses in any order. You could add three horses for any order as well. It just costs a little bit more money. Uh, so I would do a win bet on the one. And then just like you alluded to that, the seven blazing sevens, uh, which is five to one right now, super dangerous connections with uh, Chad Brown run this won this race twice in the last five or six years. Um, even last year, he won it with, with horse um, early voting. And he tends to skip the Kentucky Derby and focus on the Preakness. He passes all that, um, you know, pomp and circumstance of the Derby. And he has Irad Ortiz is looking for his first Preakness win. Um, this horse is making his third start off the layoff. And um, I, I think Chad admitted his last race he wasn't really ready to run. I think today he definitely is. So I'm going to bet a, a win bet on the one. And then we're going to go with an exact box 1-7. But I am going to throw in the three match. 
just so we could have a rooting interest um, in a triple crown. Fantastic. Great stuff, Vince. Uh, really do appreciate you. Good luck today. Thank you. You too. And I look forward to seeing you at the Belmont Thanks. You got it. So am I. So am I. It'll be interesting uh, if Mage does win this, obviously leading into the Belmont Stakes, an opportunity to win a Triple Crown. Uh, nothing more exciting than that, especially in horse racing. Vince Roth joining us from Final Furlong. Uh, awesome to have him on again. Uh, he likes the one horse national treasure to win. He's going to lay $50 on that. He's also going to play an exacta box uh, with Mage with the one national treasure and he's throwing in blazing sevens as well. So a one seven, three exact box. That's how he's playing it. 800-919-3776. Quick break. We come back more coming your way. Need a marks with you on this Saturday afternoon here on 90.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. We just heard from uh, Vince Roth. From Final Furlong, and uh, they're kind enough to give us a prize pack that they're that we are giving away. Um, I'll give that information out to you uh, before we uh, we end this segment. But also uh, some breaking news prior, and that is uh, the Yankees now no longer with Aaron Hicks uh, in their lineup. There you go. Uh, here's some stats for you. I played 28 games this season, uh, 69 at bats. Uh, nine runs, uh, 13 hits, and um, only one home run, five RBIs, uh, seven walks, and was sitting there with a 188 batting average. So, you know, again, been fielding calls for the over two years now. Yankee fans not wanting Aaron Hicks on this roster, so I'm sure they've got to be thrilled. Our producers, Harvey and Joe, joining us. Uh, Joe, you're, you're, I mean, you're obviously thrilled with this news, right? It's weird for me because I was a Hicks backer for a large majority of his career. Up until recently, I just hopped off the bandwagon. And I actually have a comment from uh, Eric Boland has this on Twitter from Aaron Hicks. He said, I love being a Yankee. It was the best time of my career. I really wish the best for him. Uh, you know, I hope that he gets on another team and, and continues his major league career because I do think he's still able to be a major league player. It's just, it's kind of the Joey Gallo situation where some players are just not built for New York. And when the fans go against you, it's really hard to quiet that noise and, and produce. And Hicks hasn't been able to do that. So on one hand, I'm very happy because we get, what has been a liability for the Yankees this season. And we get Greg Allen to take his place, who was productive with his time in the Bronx. On the other hand, I feel for him and I, and I wish him the best. Uh, this is something interesting again, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm reading this from, from an article again, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for more information out there. Uh, you know, the Yankees just posted this. So I know you said the post has an article out yet. I'm waiting for ESPN uh, to put out an article, but I'm just reading this. Uh, I, I got this on Yard Barker. Um, Yankees outfielder, outfielder Aaron Hicks hasn't been uh, an above-average offensive player since 2020, um, but between the injuries and, uh, and and the natural process of aging, he slumped as to, uh, you know, just having, you know, not a great, obviously, uh, two years uh, of his career. 
While you can't help but point out his struggles, it's also fair to give praise when he is doing things right. In the last six games prior to the series opener against the Reds, he was showing considerable improvement. Six games is a small sample size, um, and so they're not saying that Hicks is back per se, uh, but he went six for 15, batting 400 with two doubles, a home run, three walks. Um, Those numbers in their own don't really... uh, you know, aren't, aren't eye popping, but nonetheless, um, just a more optimistic picture. So pretty interesting that the Yankees have decided to do this at this stage in the game when really his last six games, uh, were a lot better than we've seen in quite a while. Right. In fact, he had his best game of the season, um, in the win against the blue Jays. So uh, he had three hits, including his, his ninth inning double. So, but, Again, this is a small sample size. Bigger picture here is uh, Yankee fans have been waiting for this for quite a while. And so the uh, the Yankees decided to move forward and Aaron Hicks no longer a part of the Yankees. 800-919-3776, the phone number you want to chime in. Now's the time to do so. We kick off hour number three with Joe Wiz with his picks. Uh, a lot going on, obviously. I haven't even dove into the Denver Lakers game that's coming our way. Also, we've got some playoff hockey, so a lot going on later on this evening. We'll hear from Joe Wiz next, and we'll continue with your calls, 800-919-3776. Nina Marks with you on the Saturday afternoon here on 98.7 ESPN.